Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Friday, May 25th, 2018 edition. We have a fantastic show today. Hey, before I get into that, I want to just address one quick thing here. I am very seriously considering bringing the podcast back. Why? Because of the landslide of requests that I've got literally almost a thousand emails in the last three months asking for the return of the podcast. People are really, really, really wanting that incredible, just absolute volume of people asking for the podcast. I'm going to really look at my patron numbers. And if I can exceed my monthly patron amount, then I will bring the podcast back. I'm going to give that a couple of weeks. And hopefully I'll bring it back for July 1st of this year. People have asked for it. They've begged, they've pleaded. And I'm really strongly considering bringing it back. Of course, amounts always fluctuate. So if you want it back, I'm asking folks that aren't currently supporting me, please do consider getting behind this ministry. And I thank you very much for that. And I'm told by my web team as of today. They're working on a few little minor things. Sorry, I did announce and I was excited to announce it was going to launch today. And I'm told there's a few little kinks did not get ironed out. But we did a test run. And that's I had 20 people go to the back, click on different things. They said the download times are super fast. It's super user friendly. Literally 20 people's feedback was they really liked it said it loads fast. Everything's good. So we're really excited about next week, the big launch. Very excited about that. Well, listen, my guest today is very interesting. I heard him on the Sid Roth show. I saw him again on TV and I thought, hmm, that must be a sign to get him on. I thought his testimony was really interesting. Being that I'm putting together a a little mini expose, I'm getting my notes together. I plan on getting this YouTube video sometime done in June. It's about the Egyptian Kemet and how it overlaps with the Kabbalah and it gets into some high level witchcraft. And I really wanted to to expose this. And it was really interesting because the very spirit, the spirit I came across called Shakti was actually mentioned by this person. So I'm really excited to bring him on to get into this very powerful testimony. Ron Cohen, welcome to the program, sir. I'm just going to hand you the mic and you get into it and you shoot it back to me when you're ready, sir. Okay. Well, very good. My name is Pastor Ron Cohen. Uh, Rafi is my Hebrew name from Israel. Uh, I've been in ministry for about 42 years now and uh, traveled many, many countries and uh, many, many crusades and events and churches, etc., etc. But for my story, well, Sheila, I come from a a very Jewish background as a child. Uh, My parents were kosher when I grew up. I grew up in Huntington, Long Island. I kind of joke at it, but that was a suburb of Israel back at the time. Uh, But anyway, as a kid, went to school, went to elementary school, but I remember very often at 10, 11, 12 years old, I would come home and I would get off of the school bus and change clothes and go across the street. And across the street from where I lived in Huntington there, back years ago now, there were these woods, and I had a fireplace dug there and logs around the fireplace, and I would meet with my friends every afternoon, and we would get together and we would talk to one another. They knew my names and I knew their names. The only problem was my friends did not have physical bodies. 
They were spirits. And again, at a very young age, I was in contact with this spirit world. I knew it was all around me. I knew it existed. Uh, I could see it and hear from it. Again, I don't come from uh, any great dysfunctional family that people always ask, you know, well, how come this happened to you? And did they have some trauma in childhood? And, you know, there was none of that. And, uh, you know, years later, I became a therapist and counselor and pastor and all that. So, you know, there was nothing in my background that I could see would open the door for this. But there it was at a young age. I also remembered at 12 years old, it was around the month of July, and I came out of my house in Huntington, Long Island. There, about uh, about 20, 25 feet away from me, in front of me, uh, to the left, was a man standing there looking at me. And he had on a long white robe and long hair, and he had his hands out. And I remember seeing red holes in his hands, actually near his wrists. And I instinctively knew that that was Jesus. Now, two things happened at that moment. The first thing was an overwhelming desire to find that man in reality, to find out who he was. All of a sudden, again, I was just a kid. I was very drawn to this man. And the second thing that happened at that moment was an inner knowing of the reality of the realm of miracles. So I knew that there was this place, I'm going to say in God, but I didn't know, in the spirit realm, I knew there was this place in the spirit for the miraculous to manifest. And again, I'm a kid, I'm Jewish, I knew nothing about Jesus. The only thing I thought I knew about him was he lived in the building down the street that had the statue of, of the ladies out front. And, you know, I thought he lived in the Catholic Church. But that's all I all I knew. I was never even in a in a church up until oh, many many years later. So that was the beginning of my my journey, as I say. I knew that there was a spirit world all around them. I was in contact with it. I saw it, and I knew that there was a Jesus to be found. I uh, ended up graduating high school and went to college in Miami, Florida. I was in a chem major and an accountant. But all through college, I had this drawing to the spirit world. I got involved with a man named Edgar Casey. Uh, I don't know if any of you heard about him, but back back in the 40s and 50s, he was considered a prophet. He's since certainly passed away. But Edgar Casey wasn't a prophet of God. He was one that can go into a trance. We'd almost call it a seance and a trance, and he would channel a spirit, channeling. There's that word again that comes up over time. But he would channel a spirit that would speak through him. Also, this was back in the 60s, and it was a time many Cubans were coming into Miami, Florida, where I went to school, University of Miami. And I got involved with what was called the Santeria. The Santeria is a form of Cuban or, or South American witchcraft or voodoo. But what they were doing with me is they were teaching me how to harness, how to get better contact, and how to harness these spirits that were around me, and to, in a sense, almost be able to ride on them. Well, I ended up graduating uh, from uh, university there, and it was a time of Vietnam War, and uh, ended up uh, going up to New York City, and moved up to New York, and I was working for an accounting firm. So there I was in the daytime wearing a vest suit, and at nighttime, I was actively involved in seances and the Edgar Casey Foundation, and um, uh, astrology, and TM, and numerology, and you know, almost anything that was out there, I was trying to grab hold of. 
because in the midst of it, I was looking for this man. Now, again, I'm still very Jewish, uh, so I didn't know I was looking for Christianity. I didn't know I was looking for religion. I was trying to find this man, and later I thought, though, maybe he was an avatar or a great guru or such. There I was in New York, and I was there for quite a few years doing my accounting, and at night I was actively involved doing seances and readings and um, trances and such, and Edgar Casey, and I became the accountant for the Edgar Casey Foundation in New York City there. And also, I started to meet up with people that were called Rosicrucians, and they were involved with a fellow in Switzerland who had also passed away at the time named Rudolf Steiner. But that took another little turn in my walk, trying to find this man in deeper spiritual realities, trying to find him in other dimensions. Well, I ended up taking a a summer off, three months off, and I went over to Switzerland, and I went to school at the Rudolf Steiner Academy there in Dordach in Basel, Switzerland, and also learning about Blavatsky and uh, Annie Besant and other famous psychics. And I started to become more and more attuned to this psychic realm. I could walk up to people in the street and literally see their name dangling in front of them. I could look at someone and see dead relatives, you know, dead grandmother names and that. So really what was happening, I was I was very attuned to a dark world in the soulish realm, in this whole psychic realm. But in the midst of that, there was never this man. There's never this Jesus. Well, I remember it very vividly to this day. I got out of the subway one afternoon. It was it was warm, so it must have been May or June. I got out of the subway in uh, 86th Street in Central Park West in New York City. And there on the other side of Central Park West, it was a wide street, at least uh, three lanes or so. A very busy street, buses and cabs and all that. And across the street, it backed up to Central Park. And there on the corner of Central Park West and 89th and 86th Street, there were benches. And on the bench was a man sitting there. And there were at least 20 young people on mats, on uh, just sitting on mats and blankets in front of him on this bench on the very corner of New York. What a weird sight. I mean, here are these young people wearing kind of hippie clothes and long hair and flowers and such. And uh, right in the middle of a bustling New York City road there. But anyway, I walked across the street, and I remember uh, I was leaning against a tree, oh, maybe 10, 12 feet away from this bench, and there was a man sitting on this bench. He had on a a long white robe, and he had uh, his hair in a knot on the top of his head, and he had long beard, and his hands were in his lap. He was cross-legged. And uh, he was talking to the people in a sign language, in a hand language. Well, later, I was told he was silent for over five years at that time. And he talked in a hand language. Well, I was leaning against this tree watching them. And he looked up at me and he said in a hand language, he said, welcome home. This is what you have been looking for. Well, how did he know I was looking for anything? I was just on my way home from work, wearing a vest suit and, you know, carrying an attache case. You know, people at work all knew I was kind of weird, you know, that I had this other life at night. Uh, But I was a good accountant during the day. So there I was and standing here and welcome home. This is what you have been looking for. And that was my introduction to Hinduism, to yoga, 
to the spirits of yoga, which we could talk about later, and also my introduction to a man in India named Satya Sai Baba. Well, he has since passed away, not that many years ago, but Satya means truth, Sai is mother, and Baba is father. So Satya Sai Baba claimed to be the mother, father of all truth. He did not claim to be Jesus, but the one who sent Jesus to the earth. So he claimed to be God himself. Well, we all laugh that off over here in America, but if you're in India, even to this day I mention his name. He had over 20 million Hindu followers. Thousands and thousands believed that he was a divine incarnation of God himself. So there I was, and with this group on the corner, going to work in the day and spending time with them in the afternoons and evenings, and then traveling on weekends with them. And uh, several months later, there I was asleep in my bedroom in my apartment on 89th Street, Central Park West. Uh, and there at three in the morning, I got suddenly woken up, and there was a man standing there at the foot of my bed. Well, he was about five foot six tall with a black Afro haircut and a red, bright red robe. And I instinctively knew that that was Sai Baba. Now, this wasn't a vision. He was actually a guy standing there in my bedroom. And he looked at me and he said, it's time for you to come to India and be my disciple. And then he just disappeared in front of me. Well, I think I went back to sleep, but what happened over the next months, I shared what happened with the group, this family that I was with on the corner, and I started to make preparations to go to India. Sold my piano for spending money and my stereo for an airline ticket, and then I guess it was around the month of November, I went over to India to see this Satya Sai Baba, this holy man, who was known as a man of miracles. He could wave his hands in the air and manifest vibhuti, holy ash, and gems, diamonds, and I've eaten cashew nuts that literally fell right out of his fingertips. And again, his sleeves were rolled up. This wasn't some kind of fake thing of any sort. Many, many scientists and uh, parapsychologists have been over there over the years to examine him and figure out how he did all these miracles. But people would fly in from all over the world. They would come to his ashram. Um, on stretchers and you know i saw so many outstanding healings more healings than i've seen in many many churches and uh, people that came there and believing that he was god and can do these healings but one of the main things people people would say well why why did so many americans and you know and the beatles and whatever you know, why did so many americans back in the 60s the 70s why were they going to india to see these yogis these holy men well they were going for darshan 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 is a hindu word and it means seeing the holy man but what the belief is behind it is that seeing these holy men, these avatars, these divine, quote, incarnations of God, of seeing them, that it will cleanse you of sin and past karma, cleanse you of sin. So literally, it was a bloodless sacrifice. Here are all these thousands and thousands of Westerners and then millions of Indians, of Hindus, that are coming into his ashram, his monastery, coming into this monastery to get a, a seeing, to a vision, a seeing of this man. And just thinking that the seeing of him was going to cleanse you of past lives and past bad karma and cleanse you of sin so that you can go on with God. 
Well, that's incredible deception that has captivated millions of people over the years and years. Well, we know the Bible clearly says we have only one life to live, and then comes the death. We don't believe in reincarnation. Not that it's not even a belief. The Bible speaks against it. There is not a prior life. You don't have life after life coming to get to a place that you end up with a pure life that you are close to God. We only have one life, and it's now, and we better make the most out of it that we can. But there I was, and I went to India, and uh, uh, Sai Baba's ashram, now this is back in the 70s, but it sat over 20,000 people in his front yard, uh, which was dirt, and uh, he lived in what looked like a, a small castle or a villa, and uh, he would come out every day on the balcony, and people would sit there, the men on one side, the women on the other. We would sit on mat, yoga mats or whatever. We would sit there for hours waiting for him to appear, and there was such an electricity in the air of his appearing. And then almost every day, especially in the mornings, he would come down and he would start to walk among the people. And he would literally roll his sleeve up and spin his hand in the air and things would come out of his hands, you know, vibhuti and this holy ash. And he would lay hands on people. You know, he, he would speak things to them mainly in Hindu or actually in Telugu was the, the language that he spoke there in uh, Andhra Pradesh in, in India. But he would, you know, he would just do these manifestations and people would just lean over to touch his feet, to kiss him, to kiss his feet, to be cleansed of sin. And many people would spend years there at this yoga monastery, this ashram in India. Well, I spent six months with him, day and night, and sitting on the mats and, and that, and getting cleansed of my sin. So did I think. And then uh, I received Shaktipat. So it's almost like I had hands laid on me and a spirit called Shakti came into my body and started to take me over. And this spirit was so strong inside of me, it's also called the Kundalini or the serpent power and it kind of travels up and down your spine and it hits different chakras that you meditate. Chakras are different spiritual, quote, spiritual points in your body. Remember, all this stuff's counterfeit. You know, it's, it's, it's all just the counterfeit of what's of God, what God has for us. And, you know, we talk about possession, but, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to take over your body, too. You know, we are the temple of the living God. God dwells within us. And so, you know, we need to actually do the real of the counterfeit and let, let the Spirit of God fully infiltrate our lives. But anyway, this Spirit then started to, to take over my body. It would lead me around. It would pull me, would actually be the word. I would be pulled. And I started traveling around India. I went up to Nepal. There was a time I walked 127 miles, just about barefoot, over the Annapurna Mountains up to the Tibetan border and back. I was so uh, Hindu at the time. I would wear orange robes and white robes, had a long beard, and my hair was in a knot at the top of my head. And uh, I knew enough of a little bit of Hindi. And people would come out of their little shacks and houses, and they would want to kiss my feet because they thought now that I was this a holy man that could take away their sins. And the more that I meditated on it and thought about it, you know, I started to think, well, maybe I am, you know, maybe I am one with God. And there were times I would have high spiritual experiences in meditation, which we called Sumati. 
and you know, thinking that I was touching the Godhead. But later I realized all I was touching was deeper realms of darkness and of Satan's kingdom. Well, I went back to India, and then I went to Europe for a while, and I started to teach, if that's the word, but I would start to impart this spirit that I picked up in India. People would gather around, and we would do satsangs. We would do meetings in people's homes and on benches and in parks. And then I went back to the States, and I ended up in a yoga monastery with others, and we got this hippie bus and started to travel across the country. There were 28 of us on this hippie bus, God is Love, you know, painted with flowers and rainbows and whatever. And we would go from city to city. We'd go to a park in the middle of a city and get out and sit on a bench. I would sit on a bench in the middle of a park. Could be in Tucson, Arizona, in Missouri, and Texas, and Austin, Texas, and through. And sit on a bench in the park, and people would come around to kiss my feet, to get uh, infilled with this spirit that, uh, that was on me. And there were many manifestations, demonic manifestations of power and levitations. And, you know, there are people that would say, I'd be in New York, and they'd say, I just saw you in San Francisco yesterday. And I knew that I could astral travel. I could put my mind somewhere and go there in the spirit, uh, not, not God's spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but in this astral soul plane that I was in contact with every day. So this was my life. Ended up in Southern California. Uh, I remember we went to San Diego and then uh, LA and north of LA and San Luis Obispo and uh, up to Santa Cruz and up to San Francisco and ended up at UC Berkeley in Berkeley, California. Ended up in Sproul Plaza, that's the main plaza. You know, I kind of laugh at it, but this is where all the bowls of granola congregated. I was literally a fruit and nut and a flake. And I would, got out of the bus and wearing my white robes and long hair. And I sat on a bench in UC Berkeley in Sproul Plaza. I sat on a bench there for 35 days. And, uh, you know, yes, I would get up for moments at a time. And people brought food. And many, many people, they would bring mats and blankets and just sit around the bench in front of me. And I could hold my hand up and bright light, you know, rays of blue light would come out of my fingertips. Tips and it's not being slain in the spirit, but people would go in trances sitting in front of me. You know, for them, they really felt like they were being, being in touch with the supernatural. Well, we were in touch with the supernatural, Sheila, but it wasn't the supernatural from God. These, these weren't God's angels. Uh, this was a very deep and deceiving realm of darkness and a realm where I thought we were really living close to God and communicating with God. And the visions I had and the, the auras and seeing people's lives around me and especially the group that I was uh, traveling with, as they would join in and join up with the group, there would be a, a, a deep soul connection that would happen where I would know about their lives and where they're going. And, you know, one would say, you know, I'm, I'm going back to New York to be with my family or this or that. And I would literally be able to travel back with them in this astral realm. Well, there I was in Berkeley, California, sitting on this bench, and about the 32nd, 33rd day, and it was 11 o'clock in the morning, a young man walked up to this bench 
and stood up just a few feet from me. Now, he had short sleeve white shirt on. He had short blondish hair, blue eyes. And many of the people or everyone in the group that was sitting there saw him. And many still remember this to this day. And he looked at me and he said, do you have Jesus in your heart? And I said in a hand language, because I was mostly silent at that time. So I also spoke in this this hand language we learned in India. And I said, for sure I have Jesus in my heart. And Ram is in my heart, Krishna is in my heart, Buddha is in my heart, and you're in my heart too. I had a big heart back then. And then he said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And I held my hand up, and in broad daylight three-foot rays of blue light would come out of my fingertips, visible to everyone sitting around. And I said, for sure I have the Holy Spirit. And he pointed his finger at me, and he said, you're lying. Jesus isn't in your heart, and you don't have the Holy Spirit. I could see it in your eyes. And he turned around and walked away, and about 20 feet away from us, he disappeared in a poof, just disappeared in front of us. Well, we all know that that was an angelic appearing and that was from god but at the time we kind of laughed it off because i didn't believe in duality we were advaitist buddhists in our in our theology we believed that all was one there wasn't a heaven and hell there wasn't a christ or the devil there wasn't good or bad it was all one and we were just working on our many lives or incarnations till we got to this place that we were also one with god Well, about the next two days or so, uh, we got back in our buses, our bus and caravan and station wagons, and we traveled all the way across country, going again from city to city, and ended up upstate New York in a yoga monastery, an ashram, a yoga ashram, upstate New York. It was 167 acres. It was way outside of the city. No electricity, no plumbing, no telephone, no computers back then, no Facebook or anything like that. This place was pretty self-sufficient. There was a farm there and gardening and all. And again, we were all vegetarians. I was a vegetarian for years. And, uh, you know, I kind of laugh at it. Uh, I left India. When I finally left India, I weighed about 118 pounds. I thought I was having high spiritual experiences. And I later realized I might have been just suffering from severe malnutrition. But uh, here we are at this yoga ashram. And it was the birthday party of this guy that was on the bench many years before now on that bench in New York City. He was talking in a very rough voice because he hasn't talked in almost seven years at that point. But he said that they were having experiences and on this ashram, on this land, where there was appearances of Jesus. And people were having experiences with this Jesus and starting to chant his name and sing his name. And now remember, there, there's no, uh, no preacher, no church. This is all just happening supernaturally, all just happening, uh, you know, by God. But they challenged me. He challenged me to go into this little yoga hut and test the spirits. That's what they were doing. Someone had a little track that they found, and it had uh, 1 John 4 on it, which says, Beloved, test the spirits. Not every spirit comes from God. This is how you know if it comes from God. It confesses Jesus come in the flesh. It comes from God. And if not, it's the spirit of Antichrist who's already come. And that's an interesting verse to look at because it doesn't say every spirit that confesses Jesus. But it says every spirit that confesses that Jesus 
has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not or cannot does not confess is not from God. So I remember it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and I went into this little yoga hut. Uh, it was about eight feet in diameter, maybe 10 feet in diameter. It was round, kind of like a teepee, but not quite. And these are where we all lived in these in these woods up there, this yoga monastery. And I sat down on the, on the floor and I crossed my legs and I opened my mouth and out of my mouth came these words. Now remember, I've never been in a church. I knew nothing about Christianity. The only thing I knew, uh, well, I remember in 11th grade, I went to a Christmas Eve service at a church. And, you know, we knew about the outer trappings and, you know, we thought that Jesus was an avatar. He was a great guru also, along with Sai Baba. But, you know, we knew nothing about Christianity as a whole. And again, I'm Jewish. Most of us were Jewish. So there I went into this yoga hut, sat down across my legs, and out of my mouth came these words. Nothing I heard before, nothing I rehearsed or read about in any way. But out came these words, and I said, Shakti. Now, I was able to speak to this spirit that was in my body. I knew it was in there. It wasn't an energy. It wasn't electricity. This was a spirit, a spirit that lived in, inside of me, mainly at the base of my spine. And I used to be able to meditate in it and call this spirit up. And at times, this spirit would come out of my mouth, and I would be able to <laughs> ride the earth in a way. And again, we can get into whole other experiences there, but but you know that's that's what this Shakti spirit does. And so I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus as Lord? What a funny thing for a Jewish person to say, you know, with no you know no background, no church. There's no pastor here. We're not listening to radio programs or anything. There's no television. You know, way before computers. This was back in the 70s. I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus as Lord? And within 10 minutes, something like a ping pong ball went up and down my spine. And I knew it was this yoga kundalini spirit. I don't even want to use the word energy because it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's a spirit. And went up and down my spine, my back. And I said it again. I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus as Lord? Shakti, do you confess Jesus as Lord? And within 10 minutes or so after that, all of this spirit went out of my feet into the ground. It left my body, just at the mentioning of those words. Now, we could call it today deliverance, but again, I knew nothing about that. There weren't people standing around laying hands or praying or commanding anything. I just spoke to the spirit that I knew that was in me, and I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus as Lord? And within 10 minutes or so, this thing left my body, threw my feet into the ground. Now, that's important to me for later on in this my story, my testimony. Well, I stood up and I walked out of this yoga hut, and it was about five o'clock in the afternoon at that time, and in a sense, a Ron Cohen who I was years before. Well, I had Hindu names at that time. I was an ordained Swami. You know, I was known by other, other names. But all of a sudden, I was kind of like who I was many years before I ever ventured onto this path. And I walked out and there was the, all the people that were traveling with me. They were all sitting and standing outside and, you know, waiting for my appearance. And I looked at them and all of a sudden... There were no more R's, no more psychic abilities, no more attachments to their souls, no more knowing who they were, what they were doing, or anything about them. I literally walked out 
the person that I was many years before, even before New York City, before Edgar Casey and Rudolf Steiner and all that. And I told what happened. I said, wow, I just had this incredible experience. Now I started talking too. Remember, I was speaking in hand language. And I said, go into the yoga, go into one of your yoga huts and test the spirits also. See what happens. Well, many of them did that. Matter of fact, there were over a hundred of us there this weekend uh, on this yoga monastery upstate New York. Uh, most of us were Jewish, probably at least 60-70% were Jewish. And again, you know, most of us were fairly educated. Of the group that traveled with me, there was a psychiatrist, psychologist, a doctor. You know, I was an accountant. Most of them were college grads. So we were not heroin addicts on the street. You know, we didn't live under bridges and, uh, and whatever. We were coming from a whole different realm of life. And so, um, you know, the, the shared it, and many of them had a, had a very similar experience that I did. Well, here we were in this yoga monastery, and the next day we started, I started to walk around in the woods and all the areas of meditation, and there were pictures of Sai Baba and Krishna and Buddha, and there were pujas, there were other altars and incense burning and flowers that were given to gods, and all through these woods, it was 167 acres, it was a big, fairly big place. But there was something that all of a sudden felt very wrong about all of it. And uh, about the third day, got a group, the group together we were traveling with, and I said, you know, we need to leave this place. There's something not right here. Now, I didn't know Christianese. You know, I didn't say, oh, this isn't of God or, you know, we're demonic or anything. All I knew was inside something was wrong and we had to leave. So we got in our bus. And we started to travel from upstate New York, went down to Long Island for a bit, and then down to Delaware for a little bit. And we, you know, I think it was in Delaware, people gave us Bibles. One of my first Bibles, I think I still have it here, was uh, a good news for modern man. You know, we had Bibles, we started to read it every day. I kind of joke at it, about it, but maybe I shouldn't, but I kind of said, you know, Sheila, we were never in a church yet. So we actually believed what the Bible said was true. And, uh, you know, we started to uh, read about healings and deliverances, you know, reading about uh, the seven sons of Shiva. And, you know, we were doing deliverance on one another. Some of the group actually started to speak in another language that we never learned before. And uh, we started to worship Jesus and we threw away all of our artifacts. I remember one day we were in Delaware, northern Delaware. The bus was parked in, in the yard of these people and we had a bonfire and we threw all of our occult books and all of our stuff from India and uh, our puja beads and, and all that stuff. We threw everything into this fire and out of the fire came bats and demonic stuff flew out of this fire. Remember it to this day. Things turned into uh, just rotten stuff and uh, we burnt all this stuff up and things flew around around us. And then, then the next day we got in our buses and I had this brilliant idea. I said, let's go down to Virginia Beach to the Edgar Casey Foundation, because I knew that Edgar Casey wrote these books on Christ consciousness, not on Jesus, but on a Christ consciousness. Well, I didn't know what that was at the time. I thought, well, maybe that's what we're looking for. So we got in our buses and we started to travel down to Virginia Beach. We got there and uh, it was around three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. And the Edgar Casey Foundation is located right on the main highway on the A1A there.
there right on the main highway in Virginia Beach, right on the ocean, and we traveled up and down and up and down that highway, but we couldn't find the place. But all of a sudden, we drove into the parking lot of the 700 Club. Well, the 700 Club was located right on this highway, right near the Edgar Casey place. This was before their new building. This was their old building. I knew nothing about the 700 Club, but there was a fountain out front and a cross. And one of the late girls on the bus said, oh, they've heard of it before. So we went in there. And into the 700 Club walked 28 of us wearing robes and white robes. And the men had on Indian pajamas and the women had on Indian saris. And we walked into there and told them we were Christians. And they took one look at us and they said, they prayed for us. And Pat Robertson was not there that day. They just prayed briefly for us and they said, you know, it's a Thursday afternoon. You guys need to go to John Jimenez's Rock Church. They have a Thursday night meeting. Well, that sounded good. And uh, we camped out on the beach there for a few hours, and I did something very strange. I, I broke seven years of vegetarianism on a McDonald's fish fry. Well, we couldn't have hamburgers yet. That was too radical. But uh, we all had a fish fry. And then that night, we went to the Rock Church. Well, there were 3,000 people there that night. We walked in there and saw all kinds of things, that things that we've seen before, though. There were healings. There were people speaking in another language. You know, we've heard about that before. We've seen counterfeit of that in India, you know, and people chanting and whatever. And we all walked in there, and true to our form, we walked right up to the front to the stage. Uh, the stage was about three feet high, and right in front of the stage, we all sat down, cross-legged on the floor in front of John Jimenez. It was a beautiful service. You know, there was worship and singing and the prayer for healing and things like that. And at the end, John Jimenez looked at us sitting on the floor, 28 of us sitting there. I don't think we looked like the normal church group. Again, I had on white robes and long hair, and the men had on Indian pajamas, and women all had on Indian saris. And there we were sitting there, and John Jimenez looked at us and he said, you all need to be water baptized. Now, he didn't say we need to be saved. We already were. You know, we were very saved at that point. You know, we were at least a week old in the Lord. Uh, but we knew that Jesus was real, and we knew that Jesus had more power over any of these spirits that were in us than anything that we've seen before. We also knew that Christ in us, you know, we, we all of a sudden knew that Jesus was in us, and, uh, you know, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world, that Jesus was in us. So, we all went up to be water baptized, 27 of us. One of the girls wanted to stay behind. She didn't, a Jewish girl didn't believe in any of this Jesus stuff, she said, and she went to India the following week. She went back to Sai Baba. But 27 of us went to be water baptized. Well, they said we need to go into these changing rooms and be instructed in water baptism. So the girls went into one room and the men went into another area behind the stage and they gave us blue robes to be water baptized in. Well, I kind of joke about it, but you know, I took off my white robe and put on this blue robe. I figured they just switched colors in Christianity. And so there was 27 of us in lining up to be water baptized. 
and uh, I can't went to the I went to the uh, the end of it. I was the last one because these were my family, you know, my my uh, disciples that I've been with for year for several years now, and each one went into the water one at a time. And when they went under and they came out of the water, their hands went in the air and they started to speak in another language. And finally, it was my turn. I went into the water and the elders asked me if I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes. And I went under the water. And when I came out of the water, something from up above came into the top of my head throughout my whole body. And my hands went in the air. I started to speak and sing in another language I never learned before. And I literally started to rise out of the water. It was so powerful. And the elders, who I became friends with years later, the, one of the elders remembered he grabbing my shoulders and actually holding me down in the water. And I walked out of that water on the other side. It was again a water baptism on the stage. And, you know, all 3,000 people were still there watching this show. And I walked out of on the stage, and I joined the other 26 of us on the side there, and I was leaning on the piano on the stage, and uh, near, near the front of the stage, I was leaning on the piano there, and it was a big stage, and I looked around, and all of a sudden, I saw the Holy Spirit in people's eyes all over that auditorium, and looking around again in the other way, I saw another spirit in some other people's eyes. And this young lady who was sitting on the front row there who didn't want to be a part of it, I saw a dark spirit in her eyes. And then looking around again, leaning on this piano, looking around, I saw the Holy Spirit in people's eyes all over that auditorium. And immediately I remembered that man from Berkeley, California, who came up to the bench looking at me. And he said, do you have the Holy Spirit? And he said, you're lying. You don't have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus isn't in your heart, and I could see it in your eyes, and turned around and walked away and disappeared in front of us. Well, that was about 10 o'clock p.m., Thursday night, July 22nd, 1976. So that was uh, about 42 years ago, but I remember it vividly to this day, sharing it now. And that was the beginning of my next journey of life, walking out this life in Christ, where Jesus lives within us, giving us power and authority, giving us his life, giving us his righteousness so we can walk in right standing with God, giving us giftings, giving us power and authority over all the power and authority of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means harm us. And from there, I ended up doing crusades and been in many, many countries in Africa and Philippines and uh, and Japan and all through Europe and uh, such, and uh, sharing this wonderful story of Jesus who gives life from the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they are already in existence who is God himself, incarnate in the flesh, power over every Shakti spirit, every Hindu, every demonic spirit that can possibly come out of the depths of hell against us. He's given us the power and authority over. He's told us to lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed, to cast out demons, to go into all the world and share this wonderful story about God himself, God himself, coming into a physical body and walking this earth. So, amen. That's that's my story. And I've been walking this out for many, many years now. 
and sing this uh, gospel of our Christ, of our Lord Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew. And I've been, I spent uh, quite a bit of time in Israel and uh, walking where he walked and seeing what he walked. So, amen and amen. So, okay, Ms. Sheila. Wow. Thank you so much for laying all that out. What a powerful testimony. You were literally involved in in a real cornucopia straight out of the pit of hell. I can't believe that Christians even quote Edgar Cayce. I mean, talk about demonic, you know, all these false signs and wonders. Boy, oh boy. You know, it's amazing on the pursuit to trying to find the truth. It's amazing people can go down some real dark roads of deception. Very powerful stuff. Ron, please, if you would. I'd love you to pray for the listeners, if you would, sir. Well, Lord, I thank you for all that are hearing this today, tonight, Father, and wherever they are. I thank you, Father, that you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions, from their calamities, from their trials, from their sicknesses and diseases. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we send your word of life even God who gives life to the dead. Lord, I call those forth today, Father, that are dead in their spirits. Lord, that are suffering death in their hearts and their minds and their souls. Lord, I speak life to them today in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak healing forth. Thank you for, Lord, ones that are listening now, Lord, that have diabetes, Lord, that have chronic arthritis, heart disease going on in their bodies. I thank you that you are the God that heals. Lord, I thank you, Father, for healing addictions, the alcoholism, drug addictions, Father, depression. Lord, there's so many, Father, that are living in chronic depression now, not knowing and fear, Father, of tomorrow. I break the spirit of fear off of those that are listening today, Father. Lord, even as their hands are coming forth towards you, I thank you that God is the spirit of life. I thank you for salvation. Lord, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Even as I, Father, in a little yoga hut, called on Jesus, and Lord, that you saved me. Lord, it's not magical words. It's not formulas, Father. It's just saying, Jesus, I give you my life now. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Lord, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Bring peace into my life. Bring your prosperity. Bring your deliverance tonight. And Lord, I thank you that God is the God who saves, who heals tonight. Cancer and tumors are commanded to shrink in the presence of the Spirit of God, even tonight, in Jesus' name. I speak life to go forth. And Lord, I speak a blessing on Sheila and this ministry and all that you're doing in our lives. I thank you that your word is going forth. Lord, I thank you that revival is coming. An awakening is coming to Canada. An awakening is coming to the United States. And Lord, for the nations of the world, Lord Jesus, you are appearing to unsaved Muslims, unsaved Hindus. Lord, those that are far from you, you are appearing in glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Ron. Listen, give out your website for the folks, how they can get in touch with you, sir. Well, that would be good. I have uh, many, many good CDs and teachings out on, uh, just did a a pretty extensive teaching uh, just last week on this is the year to let religion die. But uh, they can go onto my website, which is uh, www.prayerforhealing.info, prayerforhealing.info, or you can come to me on my uh, my email, roncohen47 at aol.com, R-O-N-C-O-H-E-N 47 at aol.com, or give me a call, 302 
Again, we have many teachings out, a lot of CDs and DVDs, and uh, also on, on YouTube. So just pull up Pastor Ron Cohen on YouTube, and I've got uh, quite a few things posted there. And I know you're up in Canada. I've been in many, many churches throughout Canada and crusades overseas and such. So it is a pretty strong healing ministry and teaching and such. So, yep, feel free to get a hold of me, and I uh, will see what God has. Excellent. Thank you for your time and coming on the program today, Ron. I've seen you on another show and you did a really fantastic teaching. So love to have you back very soon, sir. That's good. Anytime. Give a buzz. Folks, that was Pastor Ron Cohen. His information is linked in the description below. Do reach out to Ron and fire him off an email or give him a call or give him a text and let him know you heard him on the program today, especially for people that just think that things like yoga is just harmless exercise and stretching, right? Not every one of these poses that you are doing, you're pretty much inviting deities to come in. They are prayers to other gods. You're not just doing downward dog, folks. I did a very interesting teaching on yoga, and it's linked there in the description as well. Do go back and check out that show on yoga. Christian, if you are in yoga, well, you're opening yourself up to a lot of demons. Listen, you need to get some deliverance for that. I've linked in my show below on yoga. It's very good. Check it out. Listen, we have a fantastic wall-to-wall great guest starting off with your questions from Gary Wayne and I'm something I'm trying to get done for over the weekend. It's called Marvel Occult. Me and Chris Taylor and Rory Brown, we really break down this brand new movie that I just saw called, well, you've probably heard of it, Avengers Infinity War you're definitely going to want to pay attention to that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the broadcast. We'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless.